mind and how uh, critical it is as Christians that we control what is on our mind and the battle is won or lost in the mind. We are at lesson number 10 uh, and uh, going to look at that today uh, dealing with the clean mind. Lesson 10, the clean mind. Uh, our text verse here is Ephesians 4, 19 and 20. He says, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. So there's some thoughts given to us here just in this particular, uh, these two verses, uh, dealing with those who have not purposed or planned to keep a clean mind. They've allowed things to enter their heart. They've allowed things to come into their life and have not maintained that clean mind. Second Corinthians 5.17, that familiar verse. Uh, most here uh, could quote it uh, without question. Uh, you know, the Lord has given us is, is uh, if any man be in Christ, he is uh, what? New creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We can, we can quote the verse, but I wonder why it is that so many Christians continue to live like the old man. We, we know the scripture says old things are passed away and all things are become new, but uh, the fact of the matter is it's part of Satan's plan and Christians that aren't consistently or uh, actively striving to pursue God and to keep a clean mind will find themselves participating in and uh, doing things that they really thought that they wouldn't do uh, because it is the nature of sin. It is the nature of wrong. And uh, just as a side note, I just want to say here we're talking about this falling back into sin or the idea of participating in things that you know you shouldn't participate in. Just as a, as a side note, I'm just thankful today that my salvation is secure. That, that, that uh, once you have put your faith and trust in Christ, that is secure. And that ought to not give us an excuse to sin, but ought to be a greater motivation for us to avoid sin and God said, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. When, once you put your faith and trust in Christ, you're secure. You're on your way to heaven. And I, I praise the Lord for that eternity or the uh, uh, security of the believer because we know that to be true. But that should be a motivation for us to live more clean, not an excuse for us to be negligent in this area. We need to keep a clean mind. Our text this morning gives to us uh, some insight into the process whereby men's minds get defiled again, whereby men get involved in or uh, partake of things that they thought they would never do. Uh, many a mother has given their little boy a bath and pulled him out of the tub and put his clean clothes on and, and said, now we're going to grandma's in 30 minutes. Stay out of the dirt. You know, don't get in the dirt. But uh, boys will be boys. And if you don't keep a close watch on them, them boys, somehow dirt has a way of presenting itself. Dirt has a way of finding the boys, and I don't know, it just, it just comes out of nowhere, and, and you, you'll come out of, into the living room, and he'll be all dirty, and you'll think, 
where did you get all that dirt from? You haven't even been outside. How did you find that? You know, they went crawling under the bed after a, uh, after a toy or something or behind the refrigerator or someplace that you hadn't had opportunity to clean in a while, and he found it. It's the only spot in the house, but he found the dirt. Well, that's the way it is, beloved, for the Christian who's been cleansed of sin by his salvation and putting his faith and trust in Christ. And Jesus, God says, okay, now stay clean. But somehow sin finds a way of presenting itself. Somehow sin finds its way and is made available to the, every person that's alive today. And you've got to be careful, cautious to guard your mind to keep, to keep it clean. It begins, beloved, when we have an insensitive conscience. An insensitive conscience. Um, that leads to a seared mind. When, you, when you, we don't have a, a conscience that's sensitive to sin, you allow sin to come and present itself and be present in your life, uh, you will have a seared conscience. In Ephesians 4.19, our text verse there, he says, who being past feeling, past feeling, a seared conscience is mentioned in 1 Timothy 4, verse number 2, you can write that reference down there, a seared conscience. Uh, he says, having your conscience seared with a hot iron, scar tissue. I have a, uh, on my arm right here, I have a scar uh, on both sides of my arm, actually. And on the outside here, I got an infection. I broke my arm when I was four, when I was six. For two years, an infection was growing inside my arm. And uh, I, I reached a point where I was unable to use it. And they cut the outside of my arm open and they allowed it to heal by itself over time, allowing all of the infection to drain out. Now, that's kind of gross, I know, but I'm going somewhere. This section of my arm right here, I have a, a, a scar that's pretty visible, but it's actually dead skin. Uh, my, my friends, when I was kid, a kid, they used to just think it was so funny because they could, they could pinch it, like with their, with their fingernails. They could pinch it until they drew blood, and it... I didn't feel it. it, it just, it's all dead skin. It's been seared. It's been scarred. And that scar tissue is a, is a, a searing. You know, you, we can reach that point as Christians where the conviction of the Holy Spirit is no longer present, where the conscience is seared. And slowly over time, where we were once sensitive, oh, my goodness, I don't want to look at that. Oh, I don't like hearing that. Oh, boy, that's what put Jesus on the cross. And now, all of a sudden, we don't think anything of it. It doesn't bother us at all. Uh, our conscience has been seared. Have you ever met somebody that was nose blind? Uh, they, well, maybe you've met somebody the opposite. You know, they've got a really strong nose. They could smell a gas leak a block away. You know, they, they've got a, they could smell everything. But you have, some people are nose blind. Uh, you know, and it could be to good smells or bad smells. Um, some young men, they're nose blind to how much cologne they have on. <laughs> you know, they just, they don't realize that just because they can't smell it, <laughs> they don't need two more squirts, you know. They, they've got enough cologne on. They walk in the room and everybody's like, <clears throat> wow, I'm going to, my sinuses are going to go off with the rails here. Uh, you know, they're nose blind to how strong the smell is. Uh, or others become nose blind to a, a rank smell that they might be living around. You know, people that live next to the trash dump. I mean, you drive by it and you're like, man, it just reeks. I mean, I could never live here. The people that live there, they don't smell it anymore. They don't even notice it. 
Uh, it's just, uh, you know, around here, uh, it's good that McCormick changes up what they're cooking because, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes the whole area here will, will smell like garlic or the whole area smells like, but if they change it up, you, you're like, oh, they're, they're running something with paprika today or they're running something with garlic today and you can, you can smell it uh, because it changes up, but you can become nose blind to those things if they're consistently allowed into your life. Maybe you would... Uh, give me or engage your brain here and tell me a little bit or the ways in which people become insensitive to sin around them. What happens or what is some sin that people become insensitive to? Let's get some feedback from you guys. Where, where it, it happens in our lives, we become insensitive to different, different things because what? What happens? Andrew? It's so prevalent in society today, the, the vow of vulgar language, and, and if you're not careful, it, it becomes normal, and it's something you're just not even, you just doesn't even think phase you anymore, because it's so prevalent and around you. Uh, did you, have, if you're Matt, did you raise your hand? Yeah, it's exactly right. It's so prevalent in society today. Uh, those of you might not be able to hear, he said uh, homosexuality. It's so prevalent and pushed on you in every front uh, that, you know, initially it was like shocking. Like, oh, my goodness. And I mean, I saw a commercial some months ago for uh, what's the flower agency that sells flowers that you can call and order some of the flowers to send to somebody in Indiana or whatever, you know, it's National Flower Agency. And, and it was a commercial for them. But these flowers were, be, were being delivered. And it was a guy buying flowers for his, for his guy friend, you know. It's just the, the wickedness that's out there is so prevalent. And uh, they, they get it and push it onto people so much. Uh, any other examples? Maybe something that if, if you aren't careful or guard against, that you will uh, become insensitive to the sin around you? All righty, then. We'll move on. You guys got nothing else you want to talk about. So uh, we see letter B here is we have a sent message. So not only a seared mind that happens, but God has sent a message to us to guard against this. God has sent a message and told us very clearly it's something we need to be aware of. Uh, he told Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 20 and 22. Write that down under the sent message there. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 5, 20 and 22. He says, declare this in the house of Jacob and publish it in Judah, saying, hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence? He says, listen, there's a message you need to hear. Uh, that you've got ears, but you're not hearing. You've got eyes, but you're not seeing. You become, you've become insensitive to sin. Don't you fear God anymore? Isn't there a warning sign going off in your heart saying, I can't be part of this? And isn't there something to be concerned about here? 
That message was that they were living in such a way that they had lost all sensitivity to God. It continued until you reach Jeremiah chapter number 8, where in Jeremiah 8, number 12, he says that were they ashamed when they had committed an abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. You see, he says, listen, you're, you got ears, but you're not listening. You got eyes, but you're not seeing. You become, your conscience has become seared. You need to uh, go back and think about who God is and, and how holy and righteous he is. You need to get back sensitive to that. If not, and, and they continued that direction until they reached chapter number eight, where he says, you, you don't blush at sin anymore. He said, you've committed abomination and it doesn't even bother you. And listen, any one of us could get to that place. The most vile or wicked sin that you could ponder or think in your heart and mind, and you say, boy, never, that would never happen to me. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. The fact of the matter is, is anyone that does not guard against a dirty mind and keep a clean mind can lead down this path of an insensitivity to sin and a seared conscience. Dr. Paul Brand was a physician who did a lot uh, to advance the treatment of leprosy. He actually went and he lived among the lepers to strive to study them and understand the disease better and better. Uh, He treated them, but he did so by being with them. Now, he would regularly take hot baths in scalding hot water. His purpose was this not only to uh, be clean and to uh, kill anything that might have been on his body, but he realized that by doing so, he was able to be conscious of everywhere on his body that he could feel the ting of the, the, the little bit of a pain from that heat. And he realized if there was any spot on his body that he was not feeling that, that was a concern. Because he was no longer sensitive in that area, and that means that leprosy had started to attack that part of his body because the sensitivity was gone. We need to find a way to check ourselves to see if there's any area in our life that we're no longer sensitive, that we no longer are as concerned as we once were. Is there any place in your life that you've become insensitive, that the sin around you doesn't bother you anymore? Do you still blush at the immorality of the world? Are you still bothered by the vulgar language that's so very prevalent and heard in society? It's mind-boggling. Even the littlest of kids, uh, Alicia and Stephen, on the day that they got engaged, uh, they were down at the Inner Harbor and walking around Federal Hill there, and there's that little skate park they have down there. And uh, Stephen said, well, we walked through there, but we didn't stay. I said, man, these little kids in there, and they were just cussing, and saying the most vile things, and just these were like, man, we can't hang out here. I mean, they, they, they just cut through and went somewhere else because it was just, just so terrible. It's so prevalent in a world today. Are you bewildered at how people can just lie blatantly? Are you broken over some sin that might be present in your own life? By and large, today, Christians are allowing words, thoughts, music, 
friends, entertainment into their lives that would have bothered their conscience greatly just a few years ago. By and large, that is the case. Sadly, churches that would dare speak out against the pet sin of the modern Christian are called legalistic and narrow-minded. But what we need most of all is a strong, definitive call to holiness again. That is the message that we as God's people need to hear. We see not only is there an insensitive conscience we must guard against, uh, if we're going to stay clean, we've got to be careful not to invite corruption. There's an invited corruption that takes place. When we're not sensitive to sin, we end up inviting that corruption into our life and end up in the ditch of wrong thinking. You end up in the ditch of wrong thinking. Ephesians 4.19 says here, they have given themselves over to lasciviousness. Given themselves over. It's something that they have allowed to happen. They've pretty much decided. You know, there's been times where I had to work on a sewer. I had to get into a septic tank. I had to cut a a three-inch plugged sewer line and... I knew that sewer was going to be running everywhere, that there pretty much was no option. And so basically you just decide, got to do it. (laughs) I mean, you aren't going to be able to like, like just, no, you just got to get in there and get her done. You got to get it, get it, get it done. So you just decide, okay, and you get in and you just get filthy with that nasty stuff and then you take all those clothes and throw them in the trash <laughs> and take a scalding hot shower and and you know uh bathe in uh uh well, <laughs> my mind just went blank what's the stuff that comes in the squirter bottle uh that sanitizer. hand sanitizer right bathe in sanitizer uh you know you you uh, just to do what you can to clean up afterwards but sometimes there's people they've just given themselves over they said okay well this is they they just get involved in it, and they end up in the ditch of wrong thinking. Have you ever been driving on a road that had a, uh, a drop-off on the edge, maybe just like a three-inch drop-off, uh, the, the curb or the, the, you know, didn't have much of a lane to pull off, but if you did, you, you, your tire goes down there, or where they, they put out the signs, uneven pavement? It could even be on the road, and you're just changing from this pavement to this pavement, but when your wheel goes off of that edge, doesn't it pull your car that way? I mean, it's hard. You've got to really be aware and conscious. Otherwise, there's a tendency to, to run that way, and you, you just drive right into the ditch. You've got to be aware of it. And so, beloved, what happens is it's easy to plunge into the ditch of wrong thinking when we allow our conscience to be seared. It's almost inevitable because you end up to be pulled that way. Sin is like the old saying regarding a bag of chips. You can't have just one. Can't eat just one. And that's the problem with sin is, is sin begets sin. Many times, and you can see it through the scriptures with different illustration after illustration after illustration, men that began to sin or got involved in sin, it never did stop there. You, you don't just tell one lie. One lie begets another lie because you got to keep the story up. Uh, you don't just steal one dollar. If you don't get caught and get punished for it, you end up stealing more. You see in the scriptures uh, the beginning and, uh, uh, you know, somebody like Samson and he just continued, 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 continued until it destroyed his life. 
you know, over and over again, you see it, it just has that pull. And so we've got to be careful that it doesn't pull us down into the ditch of wrong thinking. You'll give yourself over to it without even realizing it. There's the disaster of woeful transgressions. Listen, sin leads to destruction. It leads to disastrous life decisions, to problems that we wouldn't even uh, think about now. You know, young, young, uh, my son Timothy had a uh, kidney stone. And I don't know how somebody so young got a kidney stone. He thinks it was from drinking protein shakes. He's like, I'm done with the protein shakes. He said, that was so painful. I, oh, I don't want any part of those. And, uh, you know, he was really enjoying those protein shakes, but he decided, boy, I'm not doing it if that's what caused a kidney stone. And, you know, actually, Mary Ellen we were praying for because she had a kidney stone last week. But this tiny, tiny, little bitty thing creates so much pain. A kidney stone can be from the size of a, of a grain of sand up to the size of a pea and anywhere in between. And that tiny little thing creates so much pain. And it can come from many, many different things. Uh, they, they don't know exactly what causes it in different individuals. They can look at your diet and try and give you some thoughts or advice. But uh, we've got to be very careful what we allow in because it has disastrous effects. When we open our minds to the thoughts of sin, we're asking for problems. Uh, it's no wonder that Paul was so emphatic with the believer when he said, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. He says, hey, don't do it, boy. Put on Jesus Christ. Don't make provision for the flesh. You don't know how uh, disastrous, how uh, destructive that decision's going to be. Right now, it doesn't seem that bad. You're just getting a little insensitive. Uh, but ultimately, it's going to lead to great destruction and a lot of pain. Evangelist Billy Sunday used to say, if you don't want to sin, stay out of Satan's neighborhood. And, and that's, that's the fact of the matter is, is there's some places you know you shouldn't go. There's some things that you know you shouldn't be involved in. And if you don't want to be involved in those, then don't go to the places where they are. The fact of the matter is, is there way too much window shopping being done by Christians today in, in the mall of sin. And considering and evaluating and allowing these things, uh, Dr. Vogel used to always uh, talk about Christians playing footsie with sin. Oh, you're just playing footsie with sin, thinking it's not a big deal. But we all know where that leads. It leads to destruction. And so we've got to guard against it. There is uh, an increased continuation that takes place. You, you, it just, it's what happens. You... you one begets another. You just continue down this road and uh, many times God has to do something great to get our attention or pull us back because sin destroys continually. We see this in Ephesians 4.19 that they give themselves over to lasciviousness. They gave themselves over to that, but then it continues to work all uncleanliness. Sin destroys continually. It takes you down a destructive road and it continues and it gets worse and worse and worse like a cancer that begins in a small little portion of the body but begins to eat and to kill everything that it touches and, and just grows and it spreads and it works its part into every, every part of our lives. Adam and Eve allowed doubt to enter their heart and they ended up in disobedience. 
Lot allowed division to be in his life and he ended up in drunkenness. Achan allowed covetousness to enter his heart and he ended up in the cemetery. Samson allowed himself to look at the wrong ladies and ended up in a life of lust. Just as the path of destruction, we've got to be careful. James 1 verses 14 and 15 tells us, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That's the fact of the matter. Were you just saying amen? Yeah, in Romans uh, is where he talks about that, uh, where God gives them over uh, to these things. And so it's definitely true if you allow these things to come into your mind, if you allow yourself to get a dirty mind and don't do something about it right away, uh, if you end up with a seared conscience and continue down that path, it is, in fact, the truth. No sin starts with murder or rape or robbery. It begins with a thought. It begins with considering something. It begins in the mind. And it ends up down there. That's the, de the deceptive nature of sin. Because sin deceives us continually. Sin deceives us continually. That is Satan's goal is to try and blur the lines. It, it just tries to say, well, this is not that bad. Well, this is not really, I mean, I know that that over there is bad, but between here and there, I mean, this, oh my goodness, this is wicked. Boy, we could never do that. But between right here and here, well, that's what we want to call the gray area, and we can kind of, we can exist in different levels of this, and we're okay, we're all right. This is where sin is deceiving us. Where Satan is deceiving us. Brother Greg? That's where it is. You've got that area, you've got that little part where you think, well, I'm. I'm I mean, I know it's not the best, but it's not really there yet. It's not down there. We're going we're gonna to blur the line. Now, I don't really know much about this because I'm not a big baseball guy. You guys that know baseball, you can help me with this. Um, but from my reading, I read about how that, you know, after the teams do their warm-up, you know, right before the game, the field crew comes out and they prep the field for the game and they re-chalk all the lines and get them perfect, and they get the line real precise there, those little batting boxes around, around the plate at home and everything. Well, what I read is that the first couple batters up there, their goal 
is to try and use your cleats and uh, kind of mess up the lines, kind of blur the line a little bit so that they can kind of get into a position that's a little bit outside the batter's box. It's a little, gives them a little bit more room. It, it, it's not quite, like if the line was precise, boy, the ump would be like, boop, you're out of the box. But they've blurred it up so much they can squeeze. They can, they can cheat just a little bit, get a little further back in the box. Is that what they do? I don't know. I'm not a baseball guy, but that's what I read, that that's what they try and do. And that's what Satan tries to get us to do. He tries to blur the line so we can push a little bit further to deceive us. Edmund Burke writes this. The instances, instances are exceedingly rare for a man to immediately pass over a clear-marked mind. From virtue to vice. There is a middle tent. There is shades between these two extremes. There is an area of uncertainty which confines these two empires that they must pass through. It renders the change almost imperceptible. What he's saying is there's very, a clearly defined marked line, you know you're not crossing it. This will, will help you parents when you're dealing with your kids. Uh, if you're going to discipline them, you do need to have very clearly defined marked lines. They need to know what the expectation is. You, you can't, it can't be a generalized idea, and, and they need to know what the line is. But he, what he said, Edmund Burke is saying that very rare does somebody cross from, from virtue to vice in just one step. No, there's a number of shaded areas in between that are deceptive. And we feel like, oh, we're, 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 I know I'm not really what I ought to be, but I mean, is anybody, is anybody really what they ought to be? We could all do a little better. I know I should be better, but I'm okay because I'm not there yet. But we're slowly getting there, aren't we? And that's what we have to guard against. That's what he's talking about with regards to a clean, a clean mind and just being conscious of that. I apologize. Some of these, uh, I did not write the outline, obviously. This was produced in a book and, and, and we're using it. But next here is the inflamed clamoring. Uh, some of these things I just think, you know, we should have just put what it is because they're, they're, they're shooting for alliteration and I understand that affliction. Uh, but anyways, that, that is point, the next one there, the inflamed clamoring. We see the fire of sin, letter A under that, the fire of sin. Um, the idea of uh, how greediness takes over, how it just progresses, how the fire grows. Uh, once fire has started, it's hard to put out. Can a man take fire in his bosom and not be burned? Once a fire has started, it's hard to put out. Have you ever watched firefighters deal with a fire? I mean, they're still soaking that, that smoldering pile of mess long after the fire was out. You say, the fire's out, you guys can leave. But no, they, they're soaking it all down. They'll go through with their hooks and they'll pull, they'll pull stuff back and, and spray underneath there or make sure that there's nothing underneath there still hot embers smoldering because they'll leave and those hot embers are still under there burning and they'll, they'll ignite again and come back and they'll have to come back and fight another raging inferno because they didn't, didn't soak it all. 
a lot of times the destruction that the firefighters do to your home is a lot worse than the, uh, than the fire itself. One, one person at their house burned down, they, they told me, listen, if it starts burning, let it burn. <laughs> because it's all going to be ruined anyway. It's all gone anyway. It's all destroyed with all the water that gets uh, put on that. They put out that fire. We have to be very careful because sin is the same way. It lies beneath the surface. If it's not dealt with completely and decisively, uh, it, it flares back up. There's the fuel of sin. Have you ever used a fuel to start a fire? Uh, you know, there's different kinds of fuel. I mean, if you use diesel or kerosene, that's okay. I mean, that's pretty, it's not very combustionable. But that's not fun, is it? <laughs> so you use gasoline, and that is not recommended. Uh, let me just say, do not, do not use gasoline. Uh, but we had a uh, fire pit in El Paso, Texas. We lived out in the desert. We were five miles uh, from the city limits and nine miles from the first stoplight. So we were out there. So we burned all our own trash. And every we would take our trash and throw it out in this pit out in the backyard. Uh, and then once a week or every other week, whenever it looked like a good amount of trash, we would go burn it. Well, at some point, somebody had thrown away a, uh, and why it got put in a burn pit, I have no idea, but an inch and a half black pipe, about 12 foot long or something like that. So this black pipe was laying in this burn pit and trash had accumulated there. And I went out there and it's my job to burn the trash. And I went out there with a torch and lit it and was trying to get the trash going. It had been raining. It was wet. It wasn't lighting. So I went and got some gasoline and which I had done on numerous occasions. Uh, this is okay. This is how you light the fire, right? Is it won't light. But, uh, this black pipe was sticking out of the fire. And I thought, well, that would be cool. I'll dump the gas down the black pipe and then I'll light that. That we'll see what happens. Little did I know that there was actually some small flickering flame that from what I had originally lit the fire that was there. And so I was dumping some gas down this black pipe and that gas and fumes, when it reached the bottom of that fire, it exploded out of there like a gun and shot gasoline all over me. And I was covered a flaming inferno of, I mean, a walking flaming ball of fire. I mean, I was covered in burning gas. And I knew enough to drop and roll. And uh, I was in very soft sand. So getting down in the sand was able to put the fire out pretty quickly. And praise the Lord, I did not have to tell my mom and dad about that. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't, they never found out. Uh, but boy, you talk about scary. You got to be careful because that stuff will explode. And that's what happens with sin in our life. We play with it. We allow it around. We think it's okay. And before you know it, it explodes and becomes something far greater than we thought it was. And you're sitting there in shame. If you allow just a little sin to enter your mind. The Christian with a seared conscience will find himself enjoying sin that he wants aboard, that he wants shunned and couldn't believe that he would partake of. He knows that that sin is what put Jesus on the cross, and yet he's allowing himself to partake of it. Romans one thirty two says, Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, he says, they know the judgment of God. They know that to do these things, you're worthy of death. He says, but 
not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. He says, you know, in your heart and mind, you know that it's wrong, and you, and you, you know that God's going to judge this sin, but not only do you do it, but you have pleasure in and with those that do them. Your appetite for sin is going to increase more and more, since once uh, feared is now going to be followed. You've got to be very careful to have a clean mind. An insensitive conscience, an invited corruption, an increased uh, continuation, inflamed clamoring leads to ignored communication. Ignored communication. And I've got to hurry here. Uh, we see there's a warning issued. He says in verse number 20 there of our text, he says, But ye have not so learned Christ. Paul reminds us that what we need to be learning is learning about Jesus Christ. This is the communication that if we're not careful, we'll ignore. God sends one warning after another. Isaiah 65, 12 says, Because when I called, ye did not answer. When I spake, ye did not hear, but did evil before mine eyes. God said, hey, I called, I called, I called. You didn't hear, you didn't respond. We've ignored uh, the warnings that God is sending. The children of Israel often ignored the warnings that God sent, and we know where that led. Matthew 23, 37 says, O Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stoneth them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together even as a hen gathereth her chicks under her wings, but ye would not. Ye would not. You just wouldn't hear. So the warning goes out. The problem is, is what are we going to do with it? How are we going to respond? Are we going to strive to have a clean mind and uh, guard against even the smallest thing that Satan would bring and try and introduce into our life that we can maintain a clean mind and bring honor and glory to 